0: Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind, I'm Brian McKellen. United Press International reports that a wearable computer vision device might help reduce collisions and accidents in the blind and visually impaired. Jama Ophthalmology recently published the study. The study's author, Gun Luo, joins us to explain how this special device might keep the blind safe. Welcome to the show, Gun.
0: Hi. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really uh, glad to speak here. Glad you're here. Tell us about yourself. Uh, hi. My name is uh, Gang Luo. I'm a research scientist. At the Massachusetts Eye and Ear, and also an associate professor at the Harvard Medical School. I am leading a research lab. We focus on vision science research in visually impaired population, and also we do vision assistive technology development. So, um, before I started to work at Harvard nearly 20 years ago, Uh, I had a PhD degree in engineering. Uh, But at the Harvard Medical School, uh, I finished my postdoc training in low vision rehabilitation. So not only I learned about the human vision system, and uh, the, the training also helped me understand how human beings deal with partial vision loss or complete vision loss. So the technology and experience are very critical for developing assistive technology for the visually impaired. Uh, so uh, the principle in all the technologies that we have developed is that each technology address uh, very specific needs of the user uh, rather than trying to provide all the visual information that normally sighted people can see uh, to the blind people. So this principle is applied in the device we are talking about today.
1: Yeah, we're going to get to that device in a second, but JAMA ophthalmology, can you tell us about them?
0: Uh, JAMA ophthalmology is uh, um, one of the most uh, prestigious uh, scientific journals that focus on ophthalmology, uh, vision science, and vision technology. It has been publishing innovative research in vein science for more than 150 years. So according to widely used metrics, the ranking percentile of JAMA ophthalmology is um, around 96% in the field of ophthalmology. So that means its reputation is higher than 96% of the vision journals in the world.
1: That's amazing. Now, I want to talk about more about the study that was done. I was looking at the article about the new wearable camera in UPI, United Press International. And the study showed that the wearable computer vision device might help reduce the collisions and accidents that the blind and visually impaired experience. What sort of computer vision device are we we referring to here?
0: Uh, so, this computer vision device uh, includes three major parts. Uh, the first one, obviously, uh, it, there's a small video camera. And second is a microcomputer that process the live images captured by this camera to detect imminent uh, collision risk. And the third is a, a two, actually a pair of uh, wristbands. That can warn users about the potential collision by sending them the vibration cues. So in, in this study, the micropro computer uh, was put in a slim backpack and the camera was concealed in the back strap. So when the user wears this backpack, as people normally do, the camera is at the chest level uh, in the center. Uh, that's why we call this a uh, uh, wearable device.
1: So it's got a backpack. It's got a microcomputer and a camera right on the background, top of the pack. And um, and um it's got, as you said, these wristbands. So how does this onboard camera detect those nearby objects while, or while they're using the white cane or
0: even a guide dog?
1: Um
0: So let me first explain how the device uh, works. And, um, uh, the, uh, we have only one camera in this device. So the way it works uh, is not through measuring the distance from the camera to the surrounding object. And many people will say, okay, you are measuring the distance when you're getting close, you get warning, but not. Uh, in, in our device, uh, it's not. Uh, instead, our device calculates the time to contact with the object Uh, Assuming you are uh, keeping your current approaching speed. So if the approaching speed changes, and the time to contact will change accordingly. And and in our device, we use an innovative technique that allows us to measure the the time to contact without needing to know the distance to the object's and we don't need to know your walking distance. We can calculate your, your walking speed. Uh, we can directly calculate the time to contact just based on, uh, image analysis. So, um, I would say there are, uh, mainly two major advantages, uh, using our novel technology. So the first, uh, we don't need use two cameras, as I said, and you don't need use the sauna sensor to measure the distance. The, with only one camera, the system can be more compact, uh, simpler, and more cost saving uh, if you want to commercialize it. The second, also uh, most important advantage of this uh, technology is that, um, the warning we give to the users, uh, is based on the time to contact rather than distance. And so we think that this warning is more relevant to walking mobility. What I mean by that, so assuming you are standing um, uh, in front of uh, uh, other people and talking to them, or you are standing in the checkout line at the supermarket, so there are other people or other objects uh, uh, next to you at a very short distance. But they are not posing any uh, collision risk to you because you're not, you're not moving towards them at all. So the distance between you and the other people, because they are not changing. So there's no risk. And if you assume you're using a warning device that give you alert based on the distance in those situations, you will get the alert all the time. Uh, we think this is quite annoying. It's actually a false alarm. Um, so our device doesn't work that way. It gives warning only when you are approaching to objects and only when the time to contact is shorter than your setting. Let's say you want to set, I want to keep the uh, safe, uh, like uh, for two seconds. If uh, within two seconds, I'm mean, going to collide with that. I want to get the warning. So, if the time to contact is shorter than that setting, you will get the the warning. If you uh, walk faster, or there's another pedestrian is also walking towards you at the meantime, so that means the relative uh, approaching speed is high, and the the distance at which you receive the warning will automatically longer for the same. Uh, time-to-contact setting. So this is an advantage.
1: Talk a little bit about how the technology reduces the risk for falls and collisions and by even how much that is compared to other mobility aids. And is it still best to use the camera in conjunction
0: with these aids? Right. And uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, the principle um, in our technology is that we address the very specific needs. So, uh, we believe, uh, the visually impaired people, they, they need, um, um, extra safety, uh, when they walk. They, they still want to use long cam for many reasons. So, uh, we don't see <clears throat> a strong need that, uh, they want to get rid of the long cam. So we want to add a uh, uh, extra safety uh, to their walking mobility. So in our clinical trial, The study subjects always use their mobility aids, like a white cane or guide dog, as they normally do. And they in this study, they actually always uh, wear the device during their daily walking. But there are two testing conditions in our study. One, uh, they use their mobility aids, and the device didn't give them any warning, but they don't know. The, the device seems to be silent and the device just silently record the video of their surroundings. So this condition, uh, is the baseline condition that on our study and the two, they use their, uh, still use their mobility aids and they can receive a warning from the device if, uh, there's a clear risk, um, detected. So um, uh, typically in those cases, when they um, receive warning, that's because somehow for some reason, uh, the lung can uh, fail to detect the obstacle, uh, either because there's a high level obstacles or their cane swing um just happen to miss the obstacles. So in, in this study, we compare the two conditions. We find that our device can reduce the clean risk by thirty-seven percent, nearly forty percent in 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 this study participants.
1: Let's talk more about the wristbands. When um they're put on, they're Bluetooth activated, and they also vibrate. That's when there is a possible head-on collision towards an object, right? Yeah. All right. So they both vibrate now. Um, yes. Uh, mm. How did you and your colleagues? Test the visually impaired and the blind for this study on the new camera
0: uh, the first, let me explain the, the two wristbands so sure. um yeah in, in this um, study, the users have uh, two wristbands um, we roughly uh, divided the uh, location of the uh, obstacle uh into three zones, one on the left and uh, head on or on the right so if there's a uh, obstacle on the right, the right wristband will vibrate. If there's an obstacle on the left, the left will vibrate. But if it's a uh, head on, the both wristband will vibrate. I so, see how uh, works. right.
1: Okay. Um, how did you and your colleagues test the visually impaired and the blind for the study on the new camera?
0: How do we test the, uh, in this study? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, we give those uh, device to uh, uh, in total thirty one um, blind subjects. Most of them are completely blind, and most of them use a white cane, and a few use the guide dog. So when they come to our institute, we gave them some training how to use that. Make sure they uh, operate the device correctly. So um, we have an orientation uh mobility test uh mobility specialists uh make sure that uh it's safe for them to use. So they take this device uh to their home and use that in their daily uh, walking mobilities. Um so the device is set uh automatically uh, they what they need to do is just uh, uh switch the whole system on And as I said, there are two conditions. Uh, One is active mode. Another is a silent mode. And those um, two conditions is switched randomly. So the the subject doesn't know uh, what mode they are in. So they can be in the first few minutes, it's active mode. In the next few minutes, it's active mode. Uh, So they they don't know. so we just compare those two. Uh, we uh, collect lots of videos and review those videos and see how many um, collision events happen and compare those uh, the, the counts of the uh, collision events between the two conditions. Also, we normalize by their walking uh, time. So we call it the walking exposure normalize that to calculate the collision rate. And then we find that uh, if the device is in the active mode, the collision rate reduced by
1: 37%. I also understand the camera was randomized to
0: switch between both
1: active and silent mode. What do these modes do?
0: How do they work? Um. Yeah, um, this is a kind of, a. I would say... Um, a very new concept in, in this, um, uh, this type of a study. Um, why we want to have this uh, active mode and uh, silent mode and that's because we want to um, conduct a very rigorous clinical trial on those devices. You know, the, um, uh, we just had, we're still in the middle of uh, COVID uh, pandemic. And we had a Pfizer uh, vaccine. Uh, Before the Pfizer vaccine is widely um, used in in the population, they have done, they they did this clinical trial. So in that clinical trial, if you read the the news, you will know that they actually have two uh, uh, branches. Some uh, um, patients receive uh, the real vaccine and uh, another uh, branch another group of uh, patients they receive a placebo it's not the real vaccine and so uh they compare uh how many cases happen in the real vaccine group and compare to the another group that just receive a placebo um the the reason they do this is they they want to um um Eliminate all the bias. So we want to have the two group people uh, to be the same on almost every aspect except for this treatment. So it's the same in our study. We want um, uh keep this uh, subject uh, same um, when they have the working device or having a silent device. We don't want to influ- influence them uh, in any way, uh, assuming uh, someone knows, okay, I got a device that can, uh, that can help me avoid uh, obstacles, then I, I will change my behavior. So we don't want that. We don't want them to change uh, their behavior. Still keep the behavior exactly the same in the silent mode and active mode. So we designed this study uh, to have these two modes. And also importantly, when we review the video, uh, whether there's a collision or not, the reviewer doesn't know whether, uh, the, the device is in the active mode or silent mode. So they have to be honestly, uh, report, Hey, these are a uh, collision uh, events. So they are not, uh, biased either. So this is called a double blind uh, study. And as I said, the tumor is switching randomly. Uh, you don't know, you cannot predict when it happened. So this is a randomized. So um, in total, we say this this is a double blind and a randomized clinical control study. Uh, this uh standard is the highest in medical research. And this is used in the COVID vaccine study, and we're using the same following the same s- standard in our research. And b- why we want to uh, um, follow this uh, high rigorous standard is because we want to make sure the research results from this study uh, can be uh, generalized if this device uh, will be used in the real world.
1: Got it. What improvements do you want to make to the device in the near future?
0: Well, uh, we, we hope that, uh, uh, in the future, we have opportunity to have this device commercialized so that, the, uh, blind people can use that. But to get to that, uh, point, uh, I think that uh, there's a long way to go. Um, first, uh, you need to make the device more, uh, Cosmetically, uh, uh, appealing to the users. You know, in, in our study, why we put in a slim bag is because we don't want to make this, those, um, subjects look weird when they, uh, uh, when they are in our study. So, um, barely using a slim bag, you know, um, the other people barely can, can realize that they are actually wearing a, um, a computer vision device. But, uh, still, uh, it's a, it's a bag, even though it's a small, uh, in the future, we hope that, uh, the device can be made even smaller. And, uh, because the, the blind user don't want to look uh, weird. And the second uh, is that, uh, we want to improve the user interface to make it much easier for, uh, a patient to use. Like, a, uh, maybe they can use the voice, uh, command, something like that. And also, more importantly, uh, uh, we hope that um, the cost can be lower. So uh, that's why uh, even at the beginning, we take that into consideration. We designed this uh, device using only one camera. We don't have very sophisticated uh, sensor. So those, um, uh, we hope that in the future, uh, we can get to that step.
1: And we're going to put up more information about the study on speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. And the blind and visually impaired look forward to testing your device, and they welcome that technology to improve safety when traveling. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out blind or SpeakOutForTheBlind. Out for the blind. You can also check out my website, that's speakingoutfortheblind.weepley.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. And my show archive is at speaking-out-for-blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out... Do you love to read but struggle to see print? Bookshare is a non-profit e-book library that makes reading easier for people with low vision or blindness. Members can read in ways that work for them with ebooks in audio, large print, and digital braille. Get unlimited access to over 1 million titles, including New York Times bestsellers, periodicals, upskilling books, and more. Bookshare is free for New York Public Library patrons or U.S. students with a qualifying disability. For more information, visit Bookshare.org today. To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. 518-906-1820. That's 518-906-1820. Join me, Brian McKellen, on Speaking Out for the Blind. I interview blind newsmakers and experts to help you, the listeners, go for your dreams. Speaking Out for the Blind airs Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern on ACB1 and 8 p.m. Pacific on ACB2.
0: Hello, this is Dan Spoon, President of the American Council of the Blind. I just want to give a big hip, hip, hooray out there to our tremendous membership that does such a great job. Around the world,
1: you're listening to ACB Radio.